This is a GRDC podcast. G'day, I'm Chris Brown. This podcast is the second part of an extensive interview I did with rural consultant Chris Minahan on building a resilient farm enterprise. Chris is a partner with Rural Management Strategies. Based at Wagga Wagga in New South Wales, but many of his messages have application right across Australia. Part one focused on building a strong business foundation. And in part two, we leave the office and move out into the paddock to explore what it means to have a resilient farming system. But first, just to recap, here's Chris explaining why he thinks that a strong business foundation is so important in the 21st century. Well, I I think a generation or two ago, you could probably focus on being a, a good producer. So if you had good time management, you looked after your machinery, you did everything on time, you grew good crops or livestock if you had a good eye for stock and looked after your animals, you generally did okay. Whereas now you still need to get those production things right, but if you just rely on being a good producer without focusing on running your business as a business, that's not going to be enough. In this podcast, we're going to talk more about production systems. Now, previously, you mentioned that farmers should be looking four or even five years out in terms of their production. Why is that? Well, a lot of things in in agriculture move more slowly than 12 months, and you need to be managing the whole system. You're not just looking after individual paddocks. It, It all fits together in a system, and and so analysing decisions that you make on a one-year basis quite often ignores the flow-on effects of those decisions. So things like crop rotation, it's really important to understand that the decisions you make this year and next year are going to have implications you know, three, four, five years down the track. But, you know, particularly at the moment, there's a lot of discussion about crops like canola, which haven't performed particularly well for the last couple of years in southern New South Wales and a lot of people wanting to drop canola from their rotation and replace it with barley which has been very profitable but at some point that's going to fall apart because you can't grow barley on everything and so those longer term rotational effects are really important to manage particularly grass weeds, root diseases and also nutrition. Now, you make the point that short-term thinking has a pretty big impact on the farm in the longer term. That's right. And there are times when you need to make a short-term decision to get out of a a tricky spot. Sure. And there's probably a fair bit of that going on at the moment. Mm -hmm. However, we need to be very careful that we're not setting traps for ourselves down the track that will come back to hurt. We certainly noticed coming out of the millennium drought from sort of 2000 to 2010 that the clients who maintained a level of break crop and stuck to a bit more of a rotation when it did start raining again in sort of 2010 through to 2015 they were much more productive and profitable because that level of break crop meant that the grass weeds hadn't got out of control and the fertility hadn't run down to the same degree as as people who threw the rotation out the window trying to sort of maintain that sort of short-term profitability. And you maintain that having a strong rotation is the bedrock, really the bedrock of everything. 
Yes, that's it. certainly that's that's my approach. There needs to be a level of flexibility, but without a, an underlying structure for crop and, and pasture rotation, the rest of the system is very hard to, to manage, particularly having systems where you come in or out of pasture and crop in a structured way, blocking paddocks together into, into management zones is another thing that we advocate strongly and it's very hard to manage that process without a longer term plan and, and rotation. So as an example, you talk about brown manuring and you make the point that the economics may not make a lot of sense in the short term, but it's a different story over the long term. That's right. Often people making a decision about including a brown manure phase in their crop rotation will look at it over one year or at the most two year time frame and generally this is done with a fairly simplistic gross margin analysis which ignores a lot of the benefits to the system in terms of cost reduction and risk reduction and also in my experience overestimates the yield and the income and underestimates the cost of the crop the cash crop that is being replaced by the brown manure. Can you give me an example of just how stark that is? And the reason why those are often overestimated is that you should be looking at doing this on your worst paddock first. Mm. So the paddocks with the worst grass weeds and the the lowest fertility, they're the ones, they're rarely profitable when they're in in crop. Within the space of, of one to two years with a brown manure crop, you can turn that into one of your more profitable paddocks. The example I gave in my talk We had a grower who had a block of paddocks that were in barley, except for two that we decided to brown manure. The following year, the canola that was sown into barley stubble only yielded 0.8 of a tonne per hectare, 0.8, whereas the canola grown on the the field piece stubble that was sprayed out the year before went 1.8. So um, a tonne to the hectare difference, yeah. Mm. And like I mentioned before, there's, there, there are flow-on benefits there too, that the year after that, the paddocks that were in wheat, the whole block was in wheat, and most of the paddocks that were barley in the first year had to be sprayed with Sakura, whereas the paddocks that followed the peas, then canola, that double break meant that the grass weeds were well-controlled and, and we, we saved costs there, and we also didn't apply any urea in those two paddocks. So... You know, already we were sort of looking at a you know, 80 to $100 a hectare saving in costs on those paddocks. You mentioned double breaks, and I know it's been a topic of conversation for a few years for disease and weed control. Is that what you were saying? That's right. So particularly the two areas where the double break works the best is in grass weed control, because particularly annual ryegrass, if we can get two consecutive years of complete control, we're getting well over 90% of the seed bank reduction. Mm. So whereas you do a one-year break, you might only get 70% of the of the seed bank. And then if you go back to a, a cereal crop, well, then you know, you're essentially back to square one. And in the same can be said for cereal diseases, particularly things like crown rot, where a single-year break, if the stubble's retained and all that wheat stubble is still present, well, the disease is still present, it lives in the stubble. So while ever the stubble's still there, the disease is sitting there. So again, a one-year break and back into cereal 
is essentially no no break at all. Whereas two year break, particularly the the high nitrogen content in in a legume brown manure followed by the canola, that combination seems to provide a perfect environment to, to break that stubble down and hence provides a much more effective disease break. I'll paraphrase your paper where you say the use of a double break allows you to use the farming system to do what otherwise you would need to pay cash for. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The two big ones there are nitrogen in the form of urea yeah. and grass herbicides in, in cereal crops. So you know, those are two major cost components to, to a lot of systems. So a, a system that either has a regular pasture phase or utilises pulse crops probably at least every one in every four years, they provide adequate nitrogen to maintain the system without needing to provide that baseline nitrogen. Then urea applications become more about you know, topping up in, in a good year rather than having to spend that money every year. Mm. And likewise with grass herbicides in cereals, they can be very expensive. And if you're in a continuous cropping system without, without that double break, then those herbicides become really essential, an essential part of, of dealing with those problems. But if you've got, say, a pasture phase or you're getting the double break from your, say, brown manure followed by canola, then you generally don't have those grass weeds. A lot of our clients that are running mixed cropping and pasture operations essentially use none of those herbicides in their programs, uh, which often their, their neighbours find hard to believe. I think you also said in your paper that there's too much emphasis on maximising production. Yeah, that's right. I think the industry as a whole has a problem of focusing on growing more tonnes and not as much focus on doing that profitably. For example, it would be pretty rare for a young farmer to go down to the pub on on the Friday night and talk about how low his cost of production is, but very common to talk about how many tonnes he grew. Sure. Uh, yeah. So there's that focus on maximising yield with the assumption that maximising yield brings with it maximum profit, which particularly when you add in risk, I think is a bit of a furphy. And particularly, I'm not a fan of this idea that you only make your profits in one or two good years out of 10, so therefore you need to have an overall higher cost structure so you don't miss out. There needs to be an ability to respond to years that are going to be higher production to capture some of that, but to me, the people that go forward are the ones that don't lose money in the bad years, more so than the, the ones who capture more in the good years. But is that something farmers would find a bit strange? That adage might have been true in the 90s when we seem to have more reliable spring rainfall, the people that spent more money basically made more money. But we seem to be in a very different climatic environment now. Whether that's cyclical or permanent, I'm not sure, but certainly with that spring rainfall being far less reliable over the last 20 years, the risk of shooting for the stars every year, hoping you're gonna get that one good year, to me, I think is, uh, is really dangerous. So are you saying go for it in a good year, but don't lose money in a bad year? And it's hard because we don't know in the middle of the year how, how it's going to finish. Mm. We try to design farming systems that provide a base level of fertility and nutrition so that you've got enough. If the year 
goes pear-shaped. You haven't spent too much money, but then with the ability to to respond in, in a good year. And, and an example there I'll give you is the systems that rotate in and out of uh, legume pastures have strong underlying fertility. So in years where you get more spring rainfall, you automatically get more nitrogen through mineralisation, whereas systems that don't have that pasture phase that are relying on urea for their nitrogen, they have to make the decision much earlier in the year whether or not they're going to spend that money on urea. So those applications, they might be profitable, but they might not. It's a, it certainly adds a lot of risk yeah. to, that, to those yeah. systems. So summing up a systems approach, what are the key things that farmers should be thinking about? The key things are firstly that a resilient and profitable business is built on a sustainable, well-planned and resilient production system. And so I encourage growers to spend more time on long-term strategy and planning to create those systems, but then having a, a really good production system on its own without focusing on managing your business as a 21st century business is not going to be enough. The final thing I'd say about you know, managing businesses and making good decisions, particularly in times of stress, is that, that growers need to give themselves the permission to have downtime, take holidays, get away from the daily grind in order to freshen up so that they can be making good decisions. Chris Minahan from Rural Management Strategies in Wagga Wagga. Now, if you've missed part one, I would encourage you to have a listen. Chris talks about making the business of farming strong and offers some targets to aim for in building a resilient business foundation. Mm-hmm.